Welcome to the Contending for the Word podcast, a podcast devoted to helping inform, educate, equip, and warn people about false teachers, false movements, and unbiblical philosophies. Now join our host for today's episode and enjoy. Today we're going to be taking a look at Joseph Prince. You've undoubtedly seen his picture on his book covers, and they are touted as Christian books. You've probably seen people share his videos that seem to be encouraging and inspiration, but are they really? Are they biblical? We're going to take a look at his contention that our Lord and Savior Jesus became poor on the cross so that we might become rich. And by rich, he means financially, materially rich, which is just a shocking claim that's, of course, not the gospel. And he's not only said this in the clip we're going to show you, but he's also written it in one of his books that we'll show you an excerpt from. Joining me today is our good friend and brother in Christ, Dave Jenkins. You've seen him on this program before. He is the executive director of Servants of Grace and Contending for the Word. He's also the author of several books that are edifying, that point you to the word that you'll want to check out. The link to Dave's Many social media accounts and his books and his blogs and his videos is in the description below. Dave, thanks so much for joining me today to really take a look at these false and deeply troubling teachings of Joseph Prince. Oh, it's so good to always be with you, dear sister. I enjoy recording with you and it's it's good to be back doing it. So it's it's great. So let's start with who briefly, uh, a short overview of who Joseph Prince is and then uh, what is his influence? So, you know, he was born, Joseph Prince was born May 15th, 1963. He's a Singaporean evangelist and the senior pastor of New Creation Church, which is based, surprise, in Singapore. He is one of the church's founders in 1983. Uh, in terms of his influence, it's massive. It's shocking. It, he has 616 thousand followers on twitter he has 1.1 million followers on instagram he has 3.9 million followers on facebook he has 1.16 million followers on youtube so uh this guy his his stuff is regularly um on the top podcast under religion and spirituality under christianity so he is extremely well known he is very influential and you know he he speaks when i've listened to him uh, which isn't very often, but he speaks very well. And so he, again, we have another example of a guy who can, you know, speak well, like we see uh, mentioned of Apollos in in 1 Corinthians. But what we also have is a man who, as we're going to see, twists and uses that ability to speak well that the Lord gave him, and he twists and perverts that gift and the scriptures of which he's charged as a pastor to rightly handle so that the people of God can be equipped. Yes. So the clip that we're going to be taking a look at today is an interview that he was doing for promotion of one of his books about prosperity. He even said that he changed the name to provision because he knew that people are against the prosperity gospel, which he does teach, which he apparently is aware that he teaches. And in these interview series, he actually defended that the prosperity gospel is biblical, which it's not. And it sets people up for it can shipwreck someone's faith if they think that they're going to get material blessings from God guaranteed. So let's take a look at this clip, and then we'll talk about what the issues are. It should be pretty apparent. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now you might argue that that rich there is to be rich spiritually, but the whole context negates that. The whole context in 2 Corinthians 8 and the next chapter talks about God loves a cheerful giver. It's all about finances. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was made poor, where? At the cross, mm. that you might be made rich. So even that is part of the atoning work at the cross. He had nothing on his body. The last, the last thing he saw at the foot of the cross were the soldiers gambling for his clothes. Why was the Son of God, he flung the universe in, in space. I mean, he's the one who created the diamonds and the jewels and all that. But at the cross, he was made poor. Why? so that you through his poverty might be rich. Mm. It's all part of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And the aspect of the work of Jesus at the cross that you, re you are conscious of, you realize that you're cognizant of, that's the part that you have faith to receive. If you mm. hear that Jesus died for our sins, you receive forgiveness of sins. But if that's all that you hear, that's all that you receive. Mm -hmm. So God expects us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially what He did for us at the cross. So this book that I wrote, I have all the verses talking about what Christ did at the cross. Our rule of authority must always be the Scriptures. So what we just saw is a, a good example of what Doreen and I were just talking about before the video played. You might think, you know, that's, that's horrific, and you would be right. Um, he uh, says similar things in a quote from his book, Unmerited Favor, Your Supernatural Advantage, um, which is published by Charisma House in 2010. On page 20, he says, On the cross, Jesus broke the, the curse of poverty. That is what the Word of God declares, which he says, For you know the grace, the unmerited favor of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Um, the entire, read, he says, Second Corinthians 8 for yourself, which we're going to talk about today. He continues and finishes this quote, that the entire chapter is about money and being a blessing financially to those who are in need. So don't let anyone tell you that the verse is referring to spiritual riches. Now, he's princes, as all these guys are. He has a, he gets something right. He, it's, Second Corinthians 8 is about blessing others financially. But his fixation here on money, if it's of God, um, we, if we remember the context, is he's dealing with the idea of the collection and uh, of helping poor believers who are struggling. And so Paul is going around to the churches that you know he he helped start, and he's gathering money and not telling them to give under compulsion, but to give because of the grace of God that was given to them so freely. And that's what that's what Prince gets wrong. But um, they, they apparently they had not been, as Prince promised readers, delivered from the curse of poverty. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 1, Paul commends the Macedonian Christians, you know, for, the, for their wealth. Uh, we know that they were rich, um, and, and that flowed out of their deep poverty. And likewise, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 8, Paul reminds the Corinthians and us of their own spiritual riches, saying, just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all, all earnestness and in love, we inspire you. See that you abound in this gracious giving work also. The point, notice, it's not because of giving. He doesn't give an amount even. Um, the Corinthians and the Macedonians were wealthy, not just in the specific ways that Joseph Prince is saying. 
that's that's what is so dangerous about the the word of faith gospel that we're going to talk about today um you know that's why we, in the church today we have such a problem even talking about money as pastors is because of this now now there's nothing wrong with talking about money we i need to say just a few things about that really quick um and then we'll come back here but but jesus has next to talking about hell he talks about stewardship and money as either the first or the second you know bible scholars debate that but the point is is that it, it it's it's about stewardship it's about our lives it's about what comes from our heart it's about it's about the motivation and the intention of our generosity and that's what paul is concerned about in second corinthians 8. um but but what these guys do is the opposite of that um they teach uh, about um you know, give me the money and like Benny Hinn used to say, and I'll send you a, a purple cloth, you know, an anointed purple cloth or, or something like that. You've undoubtedly heard that many times. Um, so, so what they do, these teachers do, is they minimize the forgiveness of sin and the righteousness of Christ, and they emphasize physical health, material wealth. At worst, they do away with the spiritual components of Christ's atoning work. This, this is about a me theology. And that theology collapses when we consider a passage like second or excuse me, Philippians two, six through seven. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And yet there's more to say. You know, we know that Christ wasn't a wealthy man. He he wasn't especially poor either. You know, he but he the poverty he endured was in contrast to the vast heavenly riches um, he willingly set aside in his incarnation. You know, though God Jesus owned everything, he owns everything, I should say, on heaven on and on earth. His riches do not consist of primarily of what is material. So the riches in view here that we're talking about are Christ's supernatural glory, his position as the Son of God, his eternal attributes. As the eternal second person of the Trinity, Jesus is just as rich, if we can say it that way, as God the Father. Uh, they're co-equal, they're co-eternal, um, they're equal in power and dignity and all of it. Colossians 2.9, for in him Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature. Um, so there's there's a lot here, and he's saying the opposite uh, of all of those things, and emphasizing instead a, a physical health and wealth and our healing uh, being a benefit of the atoning work of Christ. Um, I'll pause here, Doreen. Do you have anything that you want to comment before we go a little further? Yeah, I mean, Second Corinthians begins with a discourse from Paul about his suffering. And in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9, Paul specifically says that God allowed him to suffer so that he would know to lean on God who raises from the dead. He, Paul was, was, and was elaborating on that there's gifts and blessings in suffering. And then when we see Joseph Prince say, no, 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 Jesus, his suffering basically was so that we wouldn't suffer. That's not biblical. We we can read from James, we can read from Peter, all of them, they they elevate, there's blessings in suffering. And that would include poverty in some cases, that would include financial um, insecurity. I mean, that goes back to the curse 
of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, that we would have to toil. So what, what Joseph Prince is saying is so offensive. I mean, I'm holding back. I'm so offended by it. It is so false gospel. And all I can think is that he's trying to justify that he is making a lot of money from basically scamming people and making these false reassurances. And as someone who used to be wealthy, I mean, I I wasn't keeping the money. It was kind of flowing through me, but it was the lifestyle of the rich and famous that I had. Um, there's no salvation in that. There's no blessing of peace or fulfillment or meaning in having all those material goods. At, at one point in my life, I literally could buy whatever I wanted. And yet I was still seeking. I was still seeking peace and truth, which only Jesus, only God's word can give to us. Yeah. So what he's teaching can't even help people. It certainly can't save their souls. You, you alluded to Philippians 2, that Jesus emptied himself. And of course, Jesus said, foxes have, have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a pillow for his head. So Jesus was not flaunting his wealth. And he, he never said, I did this so that you guys could benefit. It's like uh, parents who say, I, I don't want you guys, you kids to suffer like I did in my life. So I'm going to work three jobs so that you can have everything you want. And how do those kids turn out? Brats, entitled, doesn't turn out well. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus suffered on the cross as prophesied as the suffering servant. Through his wounds, we are healed. And it is spiritual, isn't it? He, Joseph Prince is arguing that it's not spiritual riches, but that's the only kind of riches that matters. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and you remind me of something Tom Brady, you know, sought for meaning and value. And he even admitted that he was still searching for the meaning of life. And that, and that just goes to show what you just said, you know, just from another angle, from, a, from another guy, from a guy's perspective, who's extremely successful, you know, like you were in your, in your previous career, that even getting all the world's wealth and all the world's thing, e even, if, even if that was potentially true, I'll say it that way, even if that was potentially true, we know from the Bible, from Solomon, who had an incredible amount of wealth, he had all the women in the world. And what does he say in Ecclesiastes 3? He says it's all is vanity and grasping for the wind. That is materialist possessions, materialism. It's empty. It's, it's meaningless. It's pointless. It's vanity. It's, that's why he ends his, you know, that, that discourse that he gives. And by the way, this is the, the most wise. He asked for one thing for wisdom, right? And the Lord gave him wisdom and he didn't exercise, we know, biblical wisdom. He didn't ultimately fear God and keep the commandments as he says in, in, a, in Ecclesiastes 12, uh, 14. But we, we know that because of the way in which he lived his life. Um, yeah, that's he, so good. But, but this is what this theology does. It ultimately makes me the center and and you might think okay so you've you've convinced me but i want to i want to as always push it a little further because you know prince's teaching isn't it didn't originate from himself um he even writes um on page 271 of destined to reign i give thanks to god for my words and the word of faith teachings 
Uh, Kenneth Hagin taught in How to Write Your Own Ticket with God on page six, what the individual says that he shall receive. And so Prince, in this message on Christian Television Network on November 18, 2009, says, God says to you, you have an edge. Uh, your, your edge is your mouth. You are righteous by faith, so speak. God's favor is all over my business. Whatever I do prospers. Now, Prince admits in that same preach, in that same message, I would preach the reason you are sick is that there is something wrong with you, he says, until one day God supposedly told him, stop disqualifying my people. My blood has already qualified them. And yet he has not completely reformed from his own ways. Prince has it. He still thinks the poor and sick believers cannot bless anyone. He says this in Unmerited Favor, page 30. Religion will tell you God wants you sick to teach you character and patience. Religion will tell you that God wants you poor so that you're going to learn humility. It sounds noble, doesn't it? But these are lies from the pit of hell. Now, he also uses the word of faith tactic, which twists scripture to buttress the claim that God guarantees, as we were talking about, unlimited health and wealth this side of eternity. We just use this as an example of his own teaching from his own words. He says that Isaiah 53, 5, which Doreen explained just a minute ago, he says this in Unmerited Favor, page 29, sickness and disease are not from God. On the cross, Jesus bore not just our sins, but also our sickness, our disease, our infirmities, and by his stripes we are healed. But what that passage is speaking about in verse 5, which Doreen already explained, Peter uh, makes clear when he writes in 1 Peter 2.25 that Christ bore our sins on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteous, for by his wounds we were healed. So, let Paul, uh, Prince likewise teaches that Second Corinthians means on page 29 of unmerited favor. On the cross, I think I read this before, but I'll repeat it. On the cross, Jesus bore the curse of poverty. And yet this passage is not teaching that Christians are guaranteed well, as we're talking about. Paul is encouraging Christians to be generous as other churches of Macedonia were generous despite their poverty. They were, they were poor. And yet, they're giving out of their own poverty to the point that uh, Paul is commending them for prioritizing first the Lord, he says there, the Lord first, and then understanding that the Lord had given them all the things in the world because the Lord gives everything. The psalmist talks about this, how the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means that he owns every single thing, every single molecule where we are owned by virtue of him being creator and lord and and so the christian is not promised perfect health unlimited wealth this side of eternity rather jesus says to the disciples in the upper room discourse in john 16 in this world you're going to have tribulation what does he say to timothy you're going to face trials um you're going to be persecuted you're not going to be given a bed of roses and you know uh um this this purple cloth that's anointed and 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 you're going to have whatever you want whenever you want it uh, instead god promises incorruptible riches including peace that surpasses all understanding and the knowledge of christ and, and the power of his resurrection so yeah praise the lord for giving us his word that's so clear i mean scripture interprets scripture we absolutely can see that what what god means is the truth and joseph prince is twisting it and he's calling it the the, the lie from the pit of hell that the Bible is, I mean, he, I pray that he repents before it's too late because that's blasphemy to say that God's teachings is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Um, in all of this, what you were just talking about, the word of faith, of course, it comes from the same author, the devil, uh, reminds me so much of New Age teachers who used to say the same thing, and I could name names, but some of them are super famous. They would say that you have to manifest wealth in order to inspire people, that nobody will listen to a teacher who's poor. Well, here we go. Jesus, we should listen to him. We need to listen to him. And he chose, he, he could have been wealthy if he, I mean, he could have snapped his finger and had whatever he wanted. He, everything was created through him that's on this earth, including you and me. So he could have had wealth, but that wasn't what he was here for. He was here on a mission, and that was uh, to reveal his divinity and call people to repentance because the kingdom of God is near, and to die on the cross in our place as a sinless man. And he died as prophesied. He was buried in a rich man's tomb, and three days later he was risen, and hundreds of people ate with him, talked with him, touched him. He was in bodily form when he was risen. And then, of course, we know he ascended. He's at the right hand of our Father God, and he will return to judge us all. And those of us who, through our repentance and our faith in Jesus, by God's grace and mercy, who are in Christ, God at judgment time will see Christ's righteousness that we're roped in. But if we're not in Christ, oh, it's, yeah, we'll wish we'd never been born because all the sins that every one of us has done, Romans 3.23, every one of us is a sinner, except for Jesus was the only sinless, fully man, fully God to walk this earth. But all of us who are not in Christ will be judged for disobeying our holy God. He's not only love, but he's just and he's holy. And any anything that's a crime against him by breaking his commandments needs to be justly punished. And his punishment on Judgment Day will be a sorting of who's going to eternal life with Jesus and who's going into the lake of fire and hell for eternity. That's mm -hmm. forever, and you don't want to be there. So today's a day of salvation. We have to stop listening to these false promises and get in the Word ourselves and compare everything to Scripture, and then it's completely apparent that what Joseph Prince and other Word of Faith teachers like Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, and Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis, they're all promising wealth falsely. And it won't get you anywhere. It won't save your soul. And as Dave was, and I've been talking, it won't even give you peace or happiness. Yeah. As, as Solomon said, it's just, it's vapor. It's, yeah. it's vanity. So it's all, it's all about Jesus on the cross. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, just, just, you might be listening to this and just a final thought, you might be listening to this and you wonder, well, what do I do with money? You know, you've talked about, you know, that I shouldn't support somebody like the word of faith teachers that will promote, you know, you can get wealthy if you give to my ministry, just sow that seed, but we should support our local churches. There's, there's no, there's no, in the New Testament, there's no set amount given. And the reason is, is that it's it's a matter of we've been given Christ Himself, a costly sacrifice, and that should that should change the way in which that changes the way I'll say how we view how we give. It's not just a matter of ten percent; it's a matter of motivation. It's a matter of look, you've received the grace of God, and so you you we give not just our money but of our own self 
and our gifts and our talents, our abilities, and we offer it all up to the Lord in his service. Because remember, he owns everything. And so we're not giving God back his money. Instead, he gives us the money and we are to steward it well, you know, obviously to pay our bills and everything so that we have shelter and food and so on and so forth. But we do still out of generosity for the grace of God that we've given, been given by the Lord Jesus, as Doreen explained just so wonderfully just a second ago, that because of that perspective, we generously give to, to our local church first, that's the priority, to other solid ministries that are focused on the word that, that are helping us to grow. So that first goes to your local church. It can go then to support other, other ministries doing good work that are uh, seeking to serve and resource the local church. Um, so this is, uh, this is really important. And we have to recapture that perspective. And, and there's so many reasons why, because we're living in a time when, you know, we're seeing so many issues um, that, that we talk about on contending for the word. And, and we have to be, we have to, we're going to have to give sacrificially, not just to our local church, to support you know our pastor and and the ministry there we're going to have to be giving to support other ministries that are focused they're focused on the word and and that's that's something that we're going to have to really pray about and we're going to have to talk with our spouse about and 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 jesus talks about this is the whole thing behind why the prosperity gospel is so damaging because i even in saying that i it could give the impression that um i'm saying give money because out of compulsion, but Paul is saying, give money because of the grace that you've received. And, and the benefits are far exceeding uh, that of just the physical realm. They, they affect the kingdom of God. They help the spread of the gospel. Um, that was what was at, that was what the concern was that the collection was. That was why Paul was, was, was instructing them about this because of the grace that they've received, which he talks about at the opening of the chapter, and, and of this chapter in Second Corinthians eight that we're talking about, that's what's so egregious. That here is a preacher that is tasked with rightly handling the word of God, as I said, and he's not handling the word of God, and he's purposely—I'll say it that way—as we've seen, twisting and perverting the word of God. And he has this massive, large church. If you watch his video, beautiful sanctuary and everything, undoubtedly wonderful. Um, you know, uh, church building and all of that, and you know, massive amount of followers and everything. And and I just want to say, stop giving your money to those people. Stop giving your money to those people. Stop giving your money your money to those people because you are supporting false teaching and a false shepherd who is leading you out of from the word of God to from the safety of God's word. He, they're taking you away from the safety of God's word and instead taking you uh, down down the pit that's ultimately going to emanate in the pit of hell, which Revelation 9 talks about, false teaching and false shepherd, and every lie comes from the pit of hell and from the master, if you will, of the pit of hell, Satan himself. Every, every lie, every false teaching, it emanates from the pit of hell and from the abyss. And, and Joseph Prince, that, he is a false teacher. He is sent not from God. He is sent 
He is an emissary. He is an ambassador of, of the kingdom of darkness. And he can preach, no matter how well he preaches, he is a false teacher here. Uh, he's preaching a false gospel. Another gospel, which Paul says to the Galatians, is anathema. He is to be anathema. He is a false teacher. Romans 16, he is to be marked and avoided. And, and, and by the way, some people will say, you're being really harsh. Th this isn't harsh. I, I, I'm actually holding back. Mm -hmm. I can tell you. Uh, uh, I'm holding back a little bit here, but I'm just saying the concern is not even, the concern is for Joseph Prince to repent, yes. Yeah. But the concern is more for the people that are being impacted by this massive ministry, and they need to come out from them, and we have to course correct as a church and still push back against this while also pushing and saying the Bible has something to say about how we not only steward our money, it has something to do with how we steward our lives. And, and like I said, Jesus, like you said, Dorian, Jesus talks about hell, but like I also said earlier, he talks about stewardship, what we do, the parable of the talents. He, he talks about that. He talks about stewardship because it's a matter of our worship. And Paul is concerned with that in Second Corinthians 8. And by the way, now I'm preaching, so I better get off my soap by preacher's box here. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's deeply troubling to me as, as a Christian man, as somebody who does preach the word. It's deeply troubling to me that even when we push back on this, then, then we also have to push back the other way and say, this is what the Bible says about money. And, and that's, it's not enough just to say, this is, this is wrong. We also have to tell people, this is why we give. And, and, and uh, you don't just give, to be clear. I just want to clarify that. You don't give to any ministry that isn't grounded and shaped in the Bible and it isn't and needs to be grounded in the Bible and it needs to be grounded in the solid uh, theology that the church has taught. I'm not saying you universally support any church or anything like that or you go to a church where you're going to be fa taught false teaching. That would be contrary to everything we've talked about today. But I am saying that still pushing back on this, we also have to push back and say you still need to give because of the grace of God that God has given. And by the way, just, just to super clarify this, just to be clear, this is a special collection that was collected that Paul's talking about here. The principles of giving apply, but the, the idea of it was a special collection for people who were poor in Jerusalem. The principles of what we just talked about giving apply, but there is a place for a special offering for like building projects and other things in our local churches. Those kind of things we can talk about because of examples like this. So there, there's a lot to say about these kind of things. I, I hope that that is, is helpful. I don't know, Doreen, if you have anything you wanted mm -hmm. to add to that. Yeah, I mean, the whole promise that these false teachers always make is you can give to them and then God will bless you in return. You can sow a seed and you'll, uh, you'll have this harvest. And so that's, that implies that people are giving because they are financially insecure uh, for their needs. And of course, the economy just is, is just going crazy and a lot of people can barely afford groceries. So we just want to assure you the Bible does say that for believers, your needs will be met, not your wants. You know, you don't need a Mercedes-Benz. You don't need a mansion or uh, oceanfront house or um, vacation, first-class vacation. But we do need a roof over our head. We need some certain supplies and food. And and, and it's not like God is Santa Claus that all those things are going to drop down the chimney. 
Paul worked for these things. He was a tent maker, even though he, he said he could have been paid for teaching the word. He chose to have a job. So that's the normal means. And, and, uh, Amen. and in James, we learn that if you need wisdom, you can ask God for wisdom. And that could apply to asking for wisdom about how what's a godly way for you to make an income. Um, I talk with people who have left the New Age every day, and a lot of them have had to quit New Age jobs because it's it's blasphemy, it's sin to have a New Age job like a psychic or a energy healer or a yoga teacher. And so then they they want to know, well, how do I make money that pleases God? And that's where we pray. We pray for God to give us wisdom. How do we get the wisdom? Through reading God's word, and the Holy Spirit will illuminate the passages that will convict our heart, and uh, and we pray for our needs to be met. That's what the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. That's a prayer for provision. Mm-hmm. And notice that doesn't say give us today our daily diamonds and gold and fur coats. It says our bread. That's what we need. So again, it goes back to um, that God doesn't want us all to be impoverished either. Don't go the other extreme. I just met a woman who um, after she was saved, she took it literally to sell everything and take up your cross. So she sold everything and she got a wooden cross to carry around. And that's not what that means. We're to be wise yeah. and and uh, and to lean on God, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Yeah. And it's, you know, life is, life is hard. You know, there's been plenty of times in, in our marriage where we haven't had much. And, you know, when that happens, I get, I get anxious, you know, I, I do you know, just to be totally transparent, you know, and it's hard in those moments to, to, to trust, okay, Lord, I don't have much. Um, but then I have to remind myself, like everybody does, that I still have a house, I still have a wife, I still have, you know, friends that care about me. Um, and so what that does is it reminds me that of God's goodness to me, in spite of, in spite of my unbelief you know and and that's true for everybody and that's what makes this kind of theology so so damaging to our hearts and to our walk with god because it minimizes the place of um sanctification growing in grace it it minimizes the place that god uses in our life with suffering to help us to grow to be more like himself and um, so that then we can be a comfort, Paul would say in Second Corinthians uh, 1, to other people because of the grace of God that we have. And so it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. Um, so, you know, please just pray and keep speaking up about this, you know, and, and call people to come out from following Joseph Prince and know that yes. as well that we're going to keep speaking about this. And it's important to not only talk, as we talk about often, about who the person is and their influence, but specifically giving clips like we saw and then uh, the evidence from his books and from the Word of God and, and to then show you, hey, this is, this is what it is and this is why it matters. So I think this is really good. Any last thoughts that you want to end on? I think that we've been pretty thorough, and um, thank you so much for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and um, just keep comparing everything to Scripture. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contending for the Word. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, 
and follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, or X. We appreciate your support.